Hello and welcome to Motive Insights, the Motive Partners podcast where we live and breathe the next generation of financial technology. back to the Motive Insights podcast. Recently, we were joined by Charlie Kerr of With Intelligence. And today I have the huge pleasure of being joined by our most recent industry partner joiner, Heather Bellini, who's joining us, not just as an industry partner, but in situ in New York as the president and CFO of InvestCloud. Welcome, Heather. Thank you so much. Heather, your reputation precedes you. Everyone I've spoken to knows exactly who Heather is. I saw you recently on CNBC, and you've got a depth of experience really looking into the intricacies of technology companies and software companies in the United States and globally, which is one of the reasons why no one was smiling wider than I was when you decided to progress from being a board member at InvestCloud into your full-time executive role. Can you tell us a little bit about your background and what led you to the role you've got today? So. I most recently was a board member of InvestCloud as head of the audit committee before joining. Prior to that, I was a CFO of a cybersecurity startup based out of Israel named Deep Instinct. But what brought me to the journey to go and start working as a practitioner instead of someone who, you know, kind of watched from the sidelines, the the 10 years prior to joining industry. I was a research analyst at Goldman Sachs. I was a partner running their technology, media, and telecom group with a specific focus on software. And that was a industry that I've followed and researched extensively going back to 2000. So in that time period and being at Goldman Sachs, I had an amazing opportunity and front row seat to work on some of the most transformational initial public offerings of the last 20 years. And it was a great journey, and I was able to learn a lot in that process. Thanks, Heather. I mean, most CFOs wouldn't be able to say they really embody the IOI skill sets, and and you really have experience in each of those three different quadrants from investor, operator, and and innovator lens. You were most recently the chair of the audit committee as a board member of Invest Club. What was it with that vantage point that made you want to take the the plunge into a full-time executive role with the company? It's a great question. And it was pretty easy for me in that, again, as, as I mentioned, I've seen some very transformational companies over the last 20 plus years, whether it's Mark Benioff with Salesforce pioneering software as a service and becoming the horizontal software player and behemoth that they are today to watching you know vendors and, and markets get created with Amazon with AWS or or Microsoft with Azure for example and my time as a software analyst really enabled me to get a lot of industry experience and a lot of institutional knowledge about how software companies work, what's important, how important market sizing is, and being able to go after large total addressable markets and how you can differentiate yourself. And when I started my journey with InvestCloud about March of 2022, that's exactly what I saw. I saw not a horizontal play because InvestCloud is a vertical software player. I see a very large addressable market 
I see competition that is fragmented or that is build your own. And I see the ability for us to be able to build a vertical software player in one of the most important markets there is, which is in the wealth management industry. So if you think of consumers, how how technology has changed their life, really since even the advent of the iPhone and being able to do things in the palm of your hand at the click of a button or the scroll of a screen, wealth management hasn't been transformed to that extent but it's on the horizon and InvestCloud's uniquely positioned to do that. So when the board talked to me about the opportunity, it was one I couldn't pass up. Let's double click on that a little bit. And and this was a thesis. The InvestCloud thesis was was something that was years in the making for us. First with our acquisition of Fanantix, then our carve out from Fiserv of Tegra 118. And then of course, the combination of those three assets with InvestCloud. And I remember when we were reviewing press releases, there was so much jargon in there. It took a horizontal and vertical to a whole new level. It was wealth tech, cloud-based, SaaS, modular product suite, offering front, middle, and back. I mean, more jargon than than anyone could imagine. But actually, what InvestCloud does is really empower the RAAs, the advisors, the wealth managers, and ultimately the consumers to create a more frictionless environment. Can you just break down for us a little bit in layman's terms really what InvestCloud does. I think you're exactly right. I kind of look at it in into multiple buckets. So on one hand, there's the wealth advisor, as you mentioned. And if you think of the world of wealth management and just listen to any of the big banks, whether it's an investment bank or a consumer bank, listen to their conference calls. Wealth management is a market they're all trying to get bigger in as fast as they can because it's very good margin, and it's much more stable than the ups and downs of traditional investment banking. It's a huge market opportunity. There's roles for consolidation because if you think of, you know, whether it's yourself or me or or, or your friend, people usually deal with more than one wealth advisor. They might have a 401k that might be separate than their traditional portfolio. They might have might have a private equity account that's with someone else that isn't consolidated. So we've got this huge market on the left, if you will, the wealth management market and how you could change that and how the banks that are involved in this business, right, or the RAAs that are involved in this business can increase their share of wallet with their end customers, meaning people like yourself and, and myself. On the right-hand side, you've got the asset managers where they're the ones that are actually creating the product, if you will. So it might be a big mutual fund company. It may be a hedge fund. It may be a private equity fund, if you will. And they're trying to create product to capture the attention of the people on the left-hand side, right, which are the wealth managers. Sitting in the middle is the user. And so it's about ease of use for all of the consumers out there and being able to link their experiences together to have a one-stop shop of, hey, where could I find, if I'm really into ESG investing, where can I find the products that are highest rated with the lowest fees from one asset manager, but that are also available on my wealth management platform so that I can interact with them and set up my account without having a lot of paperwork. So it's who can provide the rails for that communication and that ease of transfer from looking at a product and buying a product and having it all show up in one place. Today, I would say that it's not done the way 
it should be done. It's not done as easily or as seamlessly as other things might be done in your personal account. So think of Netflix, right? You've got people who are creating content on one side and we're users of that content. And it's a question of, you know, how do they recommend things to me? And if I want to get that, if I want to buy that, how do I take that and make it a part of my subscription, right? In this case, it would be, how do I make it a part of my portfolio so I could see a full picture of what my financial profile looks like? So I think of InvestCloud as being the premier place to help enable this digital transformation of enabling this hub from front to back, from the left-hand side to the right-hand side, as I said, from wealth managers to asset managers, and making the experience for the consumers more efficient and more frictionless than it's ever been before. I love the Netflix analogy, connecting manufacturers with distributors to the consumer. Exactly. And that's what you get when you have uh, Goldman Sachs, top research analyst as a CFO, someone who truly knows the product. I would be remiss not to ask someone of your experience and and knowledge base about the current environment for software businesses. It's been challenging out there in recent times. What's your view on the strength of software businesses moving forwards? And how does InvestCloud and and the Motor portfolio fit into that paradigm? So I look at it, whether you're a public company or a private company, if you haven't been efficient with your capital in the past, You've had to do so over the last 12 to 18 months. And I think that behavior was needed. There was a you know 10-year or so period where capital was essentially free, and people were told to spend their money as fast as they brought it in. And if you're a private company or even a public company, it was growth at all costs. Don't worry about margins. Eventually, you'll get to scale. And there's examples of people who have come out and said, like, we overhired during the pandemic in some cases. And that once they had to start looking at how to run their business more effectively and more efficiently, they started to realize that, you know, the returns on their invested capital weren't what they should have been. So I would argue, while the last 12 to 18 months has been very painful, it's created this new muscle, if you will. That will serve us very well going forward and ultimately will make all of the companies that are able to make this transition much stronger and much more durable for the people that matter the most. It's the it's the employees and the shareholders of the company. It's funny, I was having a very similar conversation with Jeff Yubuki, one of our, our colleagues, our chairman, who's obviously been at the helm of some of the world's largest financial technology companies through various market cycles. And he was talking about the exact same, that muscle memory that you never forget. Have you seen through previous market cycles that same kind of muscle memory creation being formed within companies that helps them be more sustainable for longer? Yeah, technology and software in general has gone through peaks and troughs of building up the muscle, but then there's been some disruptors that would come in and they might not have the same muscle because it's all about gathering share at first. And and while that's true, right, you know, you want to gain share as fast as you can if you're trying to displace a market. At some point, the economics around how you're investing your capital, where you're allocating it, the types of returns you want to see doesn't always hold firm and people you know maybe don't enforce it as much as they should and so what we've seen is cycles that people have gone through whether it's going back to the credit crisis 
and seeing what happened and the changes that people had to make to their business as a result of that, given the shocks to the market and to the economy, to then a period, a prolonged period of easy money, never-ending capital raises if you're a private company that were done at ever higher valuations, to where we've been over the last 12 to 18 months. And so the interesting thing going forward to Jeff's point about this muscle memory is you have to keep flexing the muscle for it to have memory, right? You have to keep working out to stay in shape. And that's the thing that we have to remember is as the economy and you know maybe rates normalize or the economy finds its footing and inflation comes to the Fed benchmark levels, how do we remember what we've learned and apply it? Because the other, the other thing that's hard is to make sure that you're not starving the business. So you want to make sure you're investing enough to grow and capture your market opportunity, but really doing so with a return on capital on, on really each hedge you hire and each investment that you make that's that's kind of a non-compensation expense and putting it through the right rigor to make sure that you're doing the right thing with your money. I think ultimately we need to make sure, to Jeff's point, that we retain the muscle memory and don't, as things start to get easier, forget it. Yeah. It's funny you use the word workout. I sometimes think of when we bring our IOI teams together, whether it be on a pipeline call or uh, an investment committee or a VCP planning session uh, or, or just broader workshops, it often feels like that. It's a workout or, or a game of chess as you're thinking about how to how to utilize those muscles that you formed. And you're right, it's it's too easy to forget unless you really crystallize the playbook and keep revisiting it. With that in mind, how do you see Motive playing a role in your long-term vision for InvestCloud? Now you've moved from board into executive role, you spend probably even more time with our teams. What's the interactions like there? The interactions are very integral to helping to think through a lot of the opportunities and also challenges that the company faces. There's a never-ending source of people that I can connect with and that I do connect with quite frequently to tackle a problem that maybe we don't have the right expertise in or where we need a more detailed level of expertise or where we might want to leverage the relationships that one of the industry or operating partners has with one of the people that we need to connect with or build a tighter relationship with. We talk about people you can go brainstorm with on the motive side and the teams that, that sit behind the investments that we make. But knowing your background and knowing Richard Lamb, who's the CEO of InvestCloud's background and another of our industry partners, you've always been very client-facing. And InvestCloud is all about delivering what the client needs to do their job better in a more frictionless world. How much time are you spending with the clients understanding exactly what it is they want from this new generation of technology? That has been Richard's primary focus over the last few months. My focus for the first few months that I've been here has been more about looking at the existing operations of the company and getting a better sense of what we have, what investments are we making, what type of return should we make, where could we maybe potentially shift some investments to generate a higher return. And going forward, Richard and I have talked about spending more time. I will be spending more time with customers it hasn't been my primary focus to date, but it is one that I will shift to. And Richard's been taking the lead on that thus far. It's, uh, it's almost like we've had a dress rehearsal on this one, because that leads nicely into my next question, which is, 
it's unquestionable that I'm sure, given your background, you know, when you pick up the paper in the morning or you watch the news with your morning cup of coffee or you're with a friend hearing about their business and their platform, you're probably always analyzing where the trends are going, what looks interesting, where are the challenges, what are the trends you're seeing in the financial technology space that you're most intrigued by at the moment? And how are you applying some of that thinking to the InvestLab model? So you're absolutely right. I feel like I am always analyzing. But when I think of the opportunities ahead, and I think of where InvestCloud's positioned, this is a market, wealth management technology, very bifurcated. I would say there's not one industry winner. I don't see that anyone's going after the market with the breadth that we are. We've got a lot of work to do, but wealth management, asset management, consumer in the middle, people are trying. But there's a lot of custom-built technology. For this to be broadly adopted, it needs to become more packaged applications and SaaS delivery, more ability to plug in with leading third parties. No one company is going to build every piece of functionality best in class. So who could you partner with to help make that network experience even more effective and useful for the end user. And ultimately, that's what we're going to be judged by. We're going to be judged by the ability for us to offer a solution to the wealth management companies that will help them gain share of wallet with their consumers. And on the asset manager side, helping them get product to market faster than it's taking today, because there's a lot of legacy technology there as well, to help get it into the hands of the consumers and just give them a better experience. Again, one that you would expect if you were using technology in your personal life, that you just haven't been able to have that seamless experience front to back, if you will, in the wealth management world today. So ultimately, that's what I see as trying to do. I see technology such as artificial intelligence which I know we've been building into our products over the last 10 years. We just didn't call it artificial intelligence, but that's exactly what we're trying to do is give people exposure and have our applications and our pieces of functionality take advantage of that type of transformational workflow so that we can deliver that better experience. It's taken us a while to get to that two-letter word, AI. At Motive, we have a dedicated team of AI specialists who are thinking through the role of AI, both in our internal operations, but also within our portfolio companies. But let's imagine now CNBC, I'm one of the much smarter news anchors, and you've got a 20-second segment, a soundbite, to give your view on how you see AI impacting financial technology. It's an AI arms race. It's undeniable. Yeah. What's going to happen in fintech? I think you nailed it when you first said AI is absolutely an arms race. It is pervasive. It will be pervasive. Just like the internet changed everyone's business model, AI is going to change people's business model. It's not going to be a matter of whether you have it or not. You're going to have to have it built into your products to stay competitive. And whoever does it the best will have a competitive advantage for sure. But it is something that is a must. Couldn't agree more. And thank you. Not an easy one to put uh, put that into 20 seconds, I know. Heather, I'm right in telling our audience you're based in New York. 
Correct. Excellent. Well, I know for those listening who are from our investor community, they will look forward to meeting you in person at our annual general meeting on November the 2nd. But for now, just a huge thank you for spending the time with us here. Thank you for joining Motive is probably what I should be saying. And uh, I will let you get back to the work that you're doing at Invest Cloud. Huge thanks. Thank you. I'm very excited as well. And I look forward to meeting everybody. Thank you. Thank you for your time and insights. And thank you very much for tuning in. I'm Sam. See you next time. The information contained in this podcast is intended for discussion purposes only. It is not a recommendation, offer, or solicitation for the purchase or sale of a security or any services of motive partners. All investing involves risk, and there is no guarantee that past performance will be indicative of future results. The views and opinions expressed in the podcast are as of the date of recording, reflect the views and opinions of the persons expressing them, and do not necessarily represent the views or opinions of motive partners. Motive partners makes no representations or warranties as to the accuracy, reliability, or completeness of any information provided, and undertakes no obligation to update, amend, or clarify the information in the podcast, whether as a result of new information, future events, or otherwise. Any securities, transactions, or holdings discussed may not represent investments made by motive partners. It should not be assumed that securities, transactions, or holdings discussed, if any, were or will be profitable, or that the recommendations or decisions made in the future will be similar, or will equal the performance of the securities, transactions, or holdings discussed herein. This podcast may contain forward-looking statements that are based on beliefs, assumptions, current expectations, estimates, and predictions about the financial industry the economy, motive partners or motive partners investments. Nothing in the podcast should be construed or relied upon as investment, legal, accounting, tax or other professional advice or in connection with any offer or sale of securities.